Hi, and welcome to Intuitive Journey with Desiree. I am Desiree Holmes Sharini, your host. And as I'm recording this, we're about two weeks out from the election in the United States 2020. And unless you're under a rock, you're probably hearing all sorts of views from uh, the left or the right, but not so much from the middle. And I found it fascinating recently when I uh, happened to watch a documentary about a man named Jordan Peterson. And um, he mentioned in there, it was called, a, I believe it's called A Crack in the Matrix. Very interesting if you want to go find it. And in that he happened to mention uh, biological predisposition for uh, political ideology. And as a uh, student in psychology, I you know, someone who studied that, I found that really interesting and had not heard that, uh, that our genes could be playing a part in this whole uh, split that we're uh, having right now. So I looked some stuff up and I just wanted to share it with you. I wanted to share it for both reasons of information, interest, find it fascinating, but more so as a life coach, I wanted to share it as information that you can use to just let it go sometimes, to stop fighting, stop trying to convince someone else to believe something your way because they are over here, you're over here. Sure, you could, uh, and what I've noticed is people cannot seem to, um, a lot of people cannot respectfully agree to disagree and just have it at that, and that should be fine but instead people have, um, you know, rolling in the mud and one person throws it, the other person throws it back and it gets worse and worse and then it just creates ugliness instead of cooperation, even if you can't agree. So that's the bigger goal for me sharing this is that you might come out of this with a new understanding of 50% of what's behind someone's ideology and that that's, you know, it's like having red hair. Try to convince someone not to have red hair. It won't make much sense to them. They'll say, but that's how it grows, right? So we don't know these things about ourselves. For most of us, we don't understand why we lean a certain way or, you know, or have these ideologies. And we might attribute it to the way we were raised or think that we're just thinking it all by ourselves, but our genes are having a very big influence on the decisions we make and the choices that we make. Uh, also, you know, maybe you would agree more easily if you have heard that certain people have uh, a taste for lemons and certain people can't stand them. There's that uh, sour preference or not preference that is genetically inbuilt there, you know. So if you think of it that way, it's not so strange and you wouldn't try to force someone to eat a lemon if they hate lemons and you love lemons, although I've seen it happen. Someone says, hey, this is so good, and the other person just can't stand it. So I have copious notes here with me today, uh, and uh, instead of trying to use a teleprompter or something to remember them, I'm just going to be looking down and referring to my notes, so I hope you forgive me. And in the description, I will have the links to these studies for you to go look at for yourself. It's uh, and I did. I only um, I'm referring to two studies in particular, and they were done in uh, around 20 
13. There was also one that was started with preschoolers and then went back to those people about 20 years later. So I, um, there's a lot of interesting stuff out there. But the two studies I'm referring to um, were done around 2013 to 2016, and then uh, updated around 2006, I think, was the one with the preschoolers. So normally, uh, the, the largest recent study of political beliefs was done in 2014 in behavior genetics. And it looked at a sampling of 12,000 twins from five different countries. So it wasn't just one city, it wasn't, you know, it was all over the world, and that included the US. And in that particular study, they were all raised together. Uh, the study revealed that the development of political attitudes depends on average about 60% on the environment that we grow up in and about 40% on the genes. And that was from that particular study. So what the, the genes represented is how you express yourself in modern day in your political attitude. Uh, the study was another published in 2015 in Proceedings of the Royal Society also showed that genes encoding certain receptors for the neurotransmitter dopamine, because they were trying to pin down, well, is this tied to one particular gene, uh, that was associated where we fall on our liberal conservative axis. Of interest was that uh, of women who were highly liberal, 62% were carriers of a certain receptor genotype. And that was associated with such traits as extroversion and novelty seeking. Meanwhile, among the highly conservative women, the proportion was only 37.5%. So there's a strong example of whether the dopamine was influencing somehow our political leanings and beliefs. And it was tied to not just some things. I'm about to get into uh, some of the things that they standardly can refer to around the world as personality traits. Uh, so this uh, concludes that perhaps high novelty seekers are more willing to entertain the idea of change, including the political sphere. So the novelty seekers, the highly liberal ones, were much more open to radical change. So how, how might you be seeing that in today's society? Radical change, liberals, more comfortable with that. And conservatives are not as comfortable with radical change. They're more comfortable with uh, slower change. So if there's going to be change, they want to see metered, slower, recognizable, you know, controlled change. Whereas liberals are much more willing to just, you know, throw, you know, just say, no, let's just wipe it out and start over. Radical change is fine. Um, the genetic findings are in line with the many psychological studies that have suggested that political attitudes are related to the personality traits of openness. For example, predicts a liberal ideology, whereas conscientiousness often goes with a conservative stance. And perhaps you see again what I'm talking about there is conscientious. Usually you think of someone who slow and steady, that they're not just going to make a decision off the cuff. Whereas openness is a little more experimental, uh, freer thinking, less uh, studied approach to something. Uh, what else do I have here? The 
A political scientist at Pennsylvania State University published a study in 2015 showing that changes in personality over a 10-year period do not predict change in political attitudes. So someone might have a personality change, but the political attitude does not change because the genes didn't really change. So you can change your behavior, you can change your personality, but you can't as easily change what genes you were born with. And so the political ideology remain the same regardless of personality change. Uh, political beliefs may depend heavily on a very basic processes in the brain and our ancient instincts to avoid danger. So I thought this was um, really interesting. They, they did a computer simulation that showed when our, this is a paper published in Topics of Cognitive Science, that they showed that when our ancestors met groups of strangers, they had to make choices among uh, you know, the potential opportunities. So they're faced with something new, and maybe that could be new mates or trading with others, but there are also risks as far as exposure to new pathogens, uh, areas of high level with infections. The, the model, the computer model, showed that the driving force of evolution was fear of outsiders. Conformity and ethnocentrism, things that in modern times we would call social conservatism. So, uh, in ancient times, conservatism, conservatism, that word, <laughs> conservatism was valued for uh, the, the safety of the group, therefore the safety of the species, that it was safer to be careful, to move slowly, to be conservative, and to really think things out. So, a few standard personality traits that have been measured across truly diverse human groups uh, belong to what they call the big five. The personality dimension, specifically these traits are openness, conscientiousness, extroversion, agreeableness, and neuroticism. The first three, which were openness, conscientiousness, and extroversion, correlate fairly well with whether you are left or right leaning in your voting and uh, political ideology. So those traits can be serve as a universal yardstick. They, they can be looked at across cultures, across groups, across societies as a guideline for what you might expect the voting to be. So what I also found really interesting, and I'm not sure how this ties in, I, I could think about it a bit, but uh, I did not think about it long enough to come up conjecture a reason. But Temperatures also mattered. The hotter climates correlated strongly with conscientiousness. So even though a political spectrum runs through all the populations, like a bell curve, groups closer to the equator and in hotter environments have a more conservative average group disposition than groups living further away from the equator. And I immediately thought of like Vermont or Maine or Massachusetts or, um, I don't know, I, I wonder. I thought of Texas and Florida, and um, I'd really have, you know, I'm thinking U.S., but uh, California's got the, the whole realm, so I'm not sure how that fits. However, th this is, it goes on to be even more interesting. What, what happens when groups of very different genetic backgrounds live in the same environment? Okay, so they have the example of South Africa to pull from. The group's average personality scores 
differed according to the origin of their ancestors. So uh, South Africa had the traits of the white South Africans clustered closer to the Swiss. So their, their political ideology and um, behavior was closer to the Swiss while the black South Africans had personalities more similar to Zimbabweans. And so there's a solid example of the genetic uh, influence that comes with political ideology. And likewise, groups that have traditionally lived in geographically adjacent areas that are near each other tend to be the same. And that would, of course, make sense based on the temperature and uh, the culture as well. So it's been shown now through these studies that personality distributions are genetically adapted to their ancestral environments, meaning where your ancestors are from affected your genes and that affects who you are today, what your beliefs are today. So uh, another study came up with something 40 to 60%. So basically, we'll call it 50%. Half of your political ideology, half, half of your belief system around conservative or liberal comes from your genes. It doesn't come necessarily from your upbringing. Now, Imagine this, have someone who's genetically predisposed to one side or the other, conservative or liberal, raised in a very uh, conservative or liberal family. Then you've got nature and nurture. And this likely is where you would have those who are extremely conservative or extremely liberal. So if you have the nature and the nurture, and your whole environment, not even just your parents, obviously, because certainly parents have children that are on the other spectrum from them. But that environment is not only the parents, that environment's the school, that environment is the town, uh, the country, the part of the world, uh, their friends. And we all know with kids, at, by a certain age, your, your friends and your school, uh, the, what you read, the teachers you admire, uh, has a stronger influence uh, often than your parents' ideologies. Um, now, even more interesting, as we go down the rabbit hole of genes and how our brains are affected, they did MRIs. Another study looked at the MRIs, and actually the person who asked them to do it said, hey, can you look at somebody's brain and tell me what's wrong with them when they don't agree with me? Uh, a little bit of humor there. So they actually did MRIs, and the scientists were able to accurately predict which of those individuals would be a liberal or a conservative. The more conservative students, these were volunteers, had a larger right amygdala. Greater liberalism, on the other hand, was associated with a larger anterior cingulate. I won't go into what they do, but um, I might post um, some pictures that came with this, or I will post the study, you can look at the pictures from there. So it just showed that someone who had the measurements of these two brain regions would be able to correctly guess whether an individual was conservative or very liberal. There was no one that I self-identified as very conservative. So they had conservative to very liberal. But they could guess about 70% of the time based on the MRI uh, imagery of where that person's uh, behavior fell and their uh, ideologies. So aside from the, uh, those two portions of the brain, they didn't find any other regions that 
changed or had a significant correlation with change based on the self-identification of the liberal or conservative. So basically our political orientations, uh, I'll read this last little thing, our political orientations are deeply ingrained natural dispositions molded within each of us by powerful evolutionary forces. Indeed, these personality traits and the left-right spectra that arise from them are intimately connected to the natural history of our species. And that is all my notes from, from those two studies, so I can put those down. And really, beyond sharing that information, I don't have a lot more to say. I think it's important, though, for those of us, those of you, who are very frustrated or even angry when someone doesn't agree with you. And I've talked about this before on other podcasts. I've talked about perceptions. And when I was doing that uh, recording on perceptions about how people have the multiple lenses and uh, veils that they look through over their life's experience that they have differing views of how they see things and how you see things because we each have our own lenses that we look through and the more experiences we have the more layers of interpretation that we are viewing the world with but I didn't I wish I'd known this when I was recording that because as I said earlier that's only 50% of our experience of the world we have an innate inherited ancient part of us that carries part of how we we see the world when it comes to liberal or conservative and if you could just keep that in mind it's so much easier to just let go of the frustration let go of the anger stop like just not getting it and I, I I understand how people feel because I have my own you know uh, point of view my own opinion and I definitely have people with the other opposite opinion that just don't understand why I can't see what they see or why I don't agree with them and I too don't have that much of a problem with it because I I'm a life coach. I don't know. <laughs> it frustrates me still, but I understand it better. And now I understand it even better after learning this. But I understand it better that people have come from, you know, life from different points of view. And and even saying that sometimes seems to upset people. When I say, well, everybody's got their point of view. And people, some people get very angry at that statement seen it as I'm just dismissing their point of view and that's misunderstood I I everybody's got their point of view and so strongly held and there's really no reason you should try to do anything about it if the person is not interested in finding out more or if they really don't see your point of view there would be more peace in the world if we could simply say, okay, I understand we don't agree on this, after respectfully sharing your points of view, even if you can't say, oh yeah, you're right, you, you, know, you, you may never get to your right, but you can get to I understand 
that you feel that way. You don't even have to get to, I understand why you feel that way, why you think that way. You don't have to say, I understand why. You can say, I understand that you think about this differently than I do. Sometimes all we need is the respect of getting that, that someone stops trying to dismiss your point of view or stops trying to argue and tell you you're wrong. Sometimes you can get to a resting place, a place where you can communicate better by simply saying, I understand that we don't agree. And move on to another topic and just allow people to be themselves. Allow people to think for themselves. Allow people to think what they think. It's not, it shouldn't be that hard. Do and say to others what you would like them to do and say to you. I know that's, um, I think somebody else said that someplace along the way. But before you put somebody down, before you call them stupid, before you say they're wrong, even if in your world they are wrong, just think, how would I like them to speak to me about my opinion? And that's where I go back to my advice as a life coach, my advice for your personal satisfaction in everyday living is not to be so wrapped up about what somebody else believes. You need to let it go and just allow people to be people and let go of any tension, tightness, all of that angst that builds up when you can't come to a common belief because 50% of the time it may be impossible. And Talk to the people that have the same genetic coding as you. Maybe find a little support there. It doesn't mean somebody's absolutely right and somebody's absolutely wrong. It just means, really, we are on two, side, two sides of a coin. And somewhere, but we're connected. So, you know, you're looking at the coin. You've got cons conservative, you've got liberal, and on flip sides of the same coin, but you're on the same coin, so make the best of it. And that's all I have for you today. Like I said, you can look down in the details. I'll have these studies, uh, links to these studies for you. And I appreciate you being with me. And take a deep breath. And just let it go. Thanks for being here on Intuitive Journey with Desiree. And I will see you next time. Bye.